other produced features are Beavis and Butthead do America, which again is very well known. And I know many people who are fans of that show. So that's amazing. And he's also written Shrek 2, Gulliver's Travels, Planet 51 and Joseph King of Dreams. In television, he has co-produced and written on The King of the Hill, for which he received two Emmy Award nominations. He was a writer, a story editor for Nickelodeon's The Adventures of Pete and Pete, and a writer on MTV's Beavis and Butter. So thank you for coming here, Joe. Thanks. We are very happy to be here. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me over. So do you remember the moment when you wanted to be a writer? And how did you start with the process? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if there was one moment. Um, there was a show on um, American TV. I don't know if you guys had it there. Uh, it was called The Waltons. And okay. um, it was about a family. Um, in I don't know when they were around late 1800s, early 1900s. But there was a main character um, in the show. His name was John Boy. And the show would end every night when he would write in his journal. And, uh, and I thought, that was so cool. And I, I got a steno pad. And I just thought, I want to be like that guy. <laughs> so um, I think that may have actually started me thinking that I wanted to be a writer. <laughs> Uh, that that's that's beautiful like everyone uh, something inspires us to be something for instance a child so that's great so how did you get into the industry then how did the process of writing shrek and how did that start i it was um getting into the business was totally serendipitous um and i yeah. think uh, serendipity is required um when you're uh, when you're young and, and actually throughout your life. Um, okay. But I, I, I studied film in school, um, filmmaking. And um, while I was there, um, the, the head of my department, this was at Ithaca College in, in New York, upstate New York. And um, he introduced me um, to an alumni who then introduced me to somebody who made trailers. You're, familiar with trailers are, what trailers are. Um, And so I started just working for that guy. And um, that kind of started me on, you know, started everything for me. Um, Trailers need copy. Um, And if you if you know what, if you're not familiar with copy, um, copy is what they call the words in a trailer, like, you're watching a trailer and it's, you know what that is, in a world where blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so I, I got to start writing that and, and that's kind of how I got started. Well, that's, that's amazing because, uh, yeah, especially trailers is a very fascinating thing because that's the first look for any movie and that has to be really captivating. And uh, I love, so what is your writing process? Like when you start a character, then how do you go about writing the whole story? Uh, do you like pick a few characters and then construct the story or how is that process? Well, I, I know you have um, writers and aspiring writers, you know, who are, who are listening to your podcast. So I, I guess I would kind of like take a step back in, in, in answering your question. Um, I think all writers um, write and, and, and I know that sounds really silly. But you have the ability to sit at your computer or have your pad and paper, I'm sorry, pad and pencil or pen and, and to write. And, and when you do that, um, you start to create a craft for yourself. And that can happen quickly or um, for some people like me, it can take years and years and years. And um, when you when you do that when you when you get comfortable with it when you start to enjoy it and um do it enough um you kind of naturally grow um a craft which is to say it's an ability to to work with characters and to begin to you know learn how you tell a story and so eventually you begin to apply that craft for for every new story that you work on 
like talking about the process of writing um especially because uh, even as content creators like us we face a phase or any a moment where the creativity just doesn't flow we get into a monotonous process where there is like mental obstacles to offer ourselves so even for writing that people face a lot of mental obstacles like writer's block or there's just days when nothing's clicking like you don't know how to proceed after this scene or like what is happening so how do you deal how have you dealt with that boy that is um one of the primo questions about writing and about life and just so you know like i i've been writing for a lot of years and you know a lot of my my life my adult life since i've been doing this has been defined by good writing days and bad writing days and um just to kind of give you a little bit of my experience when i have a good writing day i feel like wonderful and on top of the world and and obviously um or maybe it's not so obvious but when i have a bad writing day you know just like everything sucks and i suck and exactly and um and i guess a lot of us go through that not everybody but but a lot of us and it's a it's a bit of a deep question so if if i think i'll take a bit of a deep dive if if you're okay with that for a lot of us um um i guess we get you know maybe our sense of self esteem sometimes from our work and that's always yes. tricky um and at the same time we there's a process to it and this is my experience it's not necessarily anybody else's experience sometimes i guess writing is is a, is a question of will like i have x amount that i want to get done but sometimes it's also a question of letting go um i imagine it's the same if you if you're raising a child i i don't have kids i have a a stepdaughter um but sometimes the kid cooperates and sometimes the kid doesn't and um yeah. and as writers i think one of the things that we need to do um is manage ourselves be good managers of our own um productivity and i think that being a good manager of ourselves um it uh means knowing when it's time to step away and knowing when it's time to you know make ourselves sit even when we don't feel like it um and um there are times where i've had really bad writing days and i felt that the cure for that was to somehow muscle through whereas there are times where the opposite is actually the case um because sometimes letting go is actually the best thing um uh, and and i'm i'm being a little bit long-winded here but i'll something kind of comes no, to no. mind on my phone um i have a crossword puzzle app and i love doing crossword puzzles and the thing about crossword puzzles i find is that um sometimes the best thing to do is walk away because when you come back you 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 just suddenly know the answer and i think the same is very true yeah. with writing and so as managers um it's good to know in our heads um when it comes time to kind of cut our losses and and take a step away and there's there's one more thing i think that i would add to this which is we all of us are are managers of our of ourselves through our lives and in general i think um we are taught that we don't really warrant compassion and i don't think that's true and i think as managers of writers it's really to our in our best interest it behooves us and it behooves our process um to manage ourselves with some compassion because if we are successful at becoming writers we're going to be doing this for a long time yes and compassion is really a good and valuable note 
to bring to to our process. I mean, that's amazing. That's something to think about. And especially the fact about letting go is so profound. And like, especially for writers, I guess that is one thing to really think about that many times, like in an exam, when you think you're stuck at a question, you and when like the best thing is to leave it and come back later and then solve it. And it actually you end up being able to do it. So that even it's, it's kind of it's like ebb and flow. Yeah. And um, I heard this a long, long time ago, and it strikes me as, as wisdom now, and it, and it did then too. Um, and it was about the artist, the painter. Uh, the painter, one of the key things of, of being a good painter is knowing when to put down the brush. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's something that I, I've been at this for a long time, for decades, and I am still learning, you know, that sometimes you just, you know, have to walk away. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked about how to solve the creator's blo writer's block, and uh, but then how do you boost your creativity? So are there any practices that you follow that will help you, like you know, help your creativity flow more smoothly, or anything? Mm. You're coming up with all these good questions, um, and it's it's you know it's funny because I'm going to give you my opinion. Um, but because I give you my opinion, it doesn't mean that I act on it. And um, with all tools yes. that you know, um, you gotta, you know, always remind yourself to use them. Yes. So, so your question is, you know, what what techniques? What can you do to kind of like help your your creativity? Yes. And um, I guess I I'm of two minds when I think about that. One is that it's almost out of your hands because there's, there's the mind, right? Which, which operates in our lives and it, and it helps us know what to cook for dinner. And we know where to go to buy our food. And, and um, we know what computer we need and, or, or other equipment that we need to work with. And we go and buy it. I, I would say that the creative process involves both our mind and uh, something that will sometimes go deeper um, than the mind. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of, I think, science is sort of like starting to look into intelligence in, in, in the human being that is not just brain-centric, um, that might even be gut-centric. And, and you hear in, in the States, uh, there's an expression, and I, I feel it in my gut, meaning, meaning it's kind of intuitive. And I yeah. think a lot of creative work, writing, or, or any other creative endeavor, um, and not just creative endeavors, um, but other endeavors as well, um, involve parts of us that are, are more than just intellectual, that, that involve heart, intuition, spirit, whatever the mind may define it as. And so, I think sometimes the creative process, much to the annoyance of mind, um, kind of touches um, a deeper part of us. And, and so is almost out of the hands of our minds. So in our process, we sit down and we write and we get comfortable and, and, and I think Mind is a big part of the process, especially when you're working on a job. Um, if you ever work in TV, it's a very mind-centric um, process because you just are you're just so under the gun in, in terms of deadlines. And you have not just yourself, but you are generally part of a team. They call it a writer's mind because do they call it that? I'm not sure what it's but it's kind of like a no, it's kind of like a group mind. Yes. And uh, the idea is because you are so driven by a deadline, you put all these minds together and that kind of equals more than the sum of the parts and you create from that group mind. Um, I think when we're working on our own, um, it involves both mind and something deeper. And so on that score, it can sometimes be out of our hands, but our willingness to partake, to, to, to be there, to put in the time uh, and to put in the craft work, you know, to write, 
day after day, to write project after project, to get better, you know, to learn. Um, that makes us increasingly available and increasingly able to add craft to whatever you might call um, inspiration. And th there's value to that. And, and uh, I'm going to add more to that. I'm, I'm usually a guy that doesn't talk much, but I'm going to yeah, yeah, keep going. Please go. Um, doing other things that don't involve writing is actually very important to writing. Um, I believe that when you kind of take off and you hang out with your friends or um, you watch TV, you read a book, um, if you are truly involved in your, in your practice and in your craft, you're, um, when, you, when you are that deeply involved, I think your craft is always going, always functioning, even when you're not sitting down at the computer. And you can be walking down the street and because the switch is not really off, it's still going on unconsciously. And by the way, some of the most valuable things in our lives happen unconsciously. Um, you are fed, um, even when you're not trying. Just like sleep feeds us, even when you know, it doesn't involve the mind. In fact, getting uninvolving the mind, getting the mind out of the picture is one of the most valuable things you can do. So. I do believe that feeding ourselves as people, nurturing ourselves um, and, and giving ourselves other things other than our work, impressions, love, effort, exercise, physical, anything is, is good for us. And all that kind of serves um, to, you know, as, uh, serving ourselves as people is, is very valuable to serving ourselves as writers. Yes, yes. Um, and that actually really, this is a good segue for my sec next question because okay. uh, a previous interview you had like quoted that even though you spend 95% of your time as a writer alone with your thoughts, that 5% that you're actually with others is the key. So can you like elaborate on that? You know, I had two thoughts when, when, you, when you mentioned that question. And uh, at first I was thinking in terms of when you write with others, um, such as um, in TV, in, in, the, in the entertainment business in, in um, Los Angeles, uh, writers generally have uh, two roads to go. One is you work in screenplays and one is you work in television. And screenplays yeah. is a very solitary um, form of writing. Television is kind of the opposite of that. You know, you're almost always, you know, working with others. Yeah. But I think that really what you're asking about is, um, is the time when you're alone with your thoughts and the time when you're actually with others. And I, and I guess, I think that's more of what you're, what you're saying, which is what about your time with others? And I, I think the answer is actually very simple, which is, um, I think we all have needs and some of those needs are social and some of those needs are not. And I am particular, uh, particularly in my case, I'm, I'm very introverted um, and I need socializing, but I only can tolerate a certain amount. Yeah. It's just the way I'm built. And I think yeah. a lot of introverted people are that way. And yeah. it's, you know, this is kind of not necessarily on point, but I reach a point where I'm having a conversation where, boom, I've, I've hit my wall. And as much as I like or love the person I'm with, I just need to kind of step away. And so yes. for me, I need that 5% or maybe it's 10%. Um, without it, I'm kind of lost. But for, you know, I also need my, on the other side, I need my, let's say it's maybe it's more like 85% yeah. of, of quiet time. I think we're all kind of, we all have to kind of find our own yes. ratios. Yes. Yeah. No, like, like even I, re I relate with that because many times you get socially drained and the energy that people feed uh, you from social interaction doesn't really end up the way you want to. And it, you kind of, you're actually depleted after the whole uh, social interaction. It, it may be that writers tend to be more introverted. It, it is a yeah. more of an introverted kind of field anyway. Yeah. And maybe that's why, maybe because introverts are actually drawn to something that kind of 
sparks for them. Maybe that's one reason that yeah. writers and introverts go together or one yeah. are one and the same. Yeah, no, that really makes sense. So uh, I, I saw a documentary called Tales from the Script, which uh, I do recommend to every budding or aspiring writer uh, that you want to like uh, go through the whole documentary because there are famous writers, including Joe, talking about the process of writing and how it can like help and uh, it'll really help you guys. So in a clip from that documentary, uh, you had mentioned that just as the screenplay needs to be developed, the writer needs to be developed too. So my question is that how can a writer develop and how do we improve our own craft? And also the, how do we distinguish if a script is bad or not? I'm so glad you asked, you're asking this question because it's like so key to um, to everything. And there's a lot to it. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of unpack yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, sure. um, so the first thing you said is uh, you quoted, uh, just as a screenplay needs to be developed, the writer needs to be developed. It's actually pretty, pretty true, I think. Um, and that's something that I, you know, was talking with you just before about growing your craft. Yes. One of the cool things about um, setting out to write uh, that's a little bit different than say setting out to be an actor or a director um, is that in order to practice your craft, you don't need a lot of money. All you need is some time. And sometimes it's hard to find the time, you know, when we're working jobs um, or when we're students. Um, but you can very often find ways to do it. And um, one of the best, in fact, the, the best way to learn to write is to write. You have to, on the one hand, you got to overcome the idea that you're writing something brilliant and good. On the other hand, you have to believe in it. You have to believe in it in order to do it. And yeah. we writers uh, really require a good amount of self-delusion. We, we need to, we need to kind of be grandiose and think that we're great and, and believe in our vision and know that when we execute it, others will see it and they will get it and we will finally get the love that we always knew we deserved. Um, I'm not saying we have to be mentally unhealthy. I guess what I'm saying is we need to believe in what we're doing and we need to believe in ourselves in order to proceed. Because if you're going to sit down and let's say you're going to write a screenplay, it's going to be 100 pages, a little bit more than 100 pages, and you're going to start with the words fade in and you're going to end with the words, the end. Yep. And you're going to fill a hundred pages, which let's face it, you know, most of us don't do in our lives. And so we need to believe in ourselves. At the same time, when we're done, we need to, um, I guess we need to accept that this is a, a process. And because it's a process, um, some of it's going to be good. A lot of it's going to be bad. Yep. Um, when I was writing screenplays, spec screenplays to, to get started, um, it took a lot, right? It takes a lot to write a screenplay. Um, not weeks, but, but, you know, month, two months, three months. Yeah. And, and, and it's a lot of love and it's a lot of time and, and it's a lot of belief. And um, it's hard when you get to the end of it and you send it off to an agent and the agent says, yeah, we're not really that interested in you. Yeah. And it's hard to kind of recognize that it's not as good as you thought it was going to be. That's um, part of... Um, the writing process. A lot of us in life have a little voice in the back of our heads that says you can't and you suck and you're not enough. And who, this, who do you think you are? And how dare you? Yeah, yeah. And as writers, we have a lot of opportunity for that voice to come up. 
anywhere along the way, right? I'm sitting down to write and the sentence sucks and like, who, who, how dare you? Who, who are you? And why do I, you know, I should just go get a muffin and just stop, you know, just like, if you're going to be a writer, I think that you really, you do it because you really want to, or you're going to be a baseball player, or you're going to be a bricklayer or whatever it is, you know, you're driven by a, a strong desire. And that desire is very important because it, it gets you pushing forward um, when you're up against resistance. When we write, so much is required to grow a craft that we have to grow a tolerance for writing that's not good. One of the most important things for my process is not writing, but rewriting. And I always have to remember that because it's really easy to look at, to, to write something down and to say to yourself, I know that sucks. I just, I just know it's not right. It doesn't feel good. And I'm, I'm kind of ashamed. I'm embarrassed about it. And it makes me think like, I can't do this. And what I want to say is that if you feel a strong urge to write that, that it always requires being willing to write something that's not good. My process, and I don't, like I said, this may not be true for a lot of people, but I think it is true for some, yeah. is that once you've allowed yourself to write something that's kind of bad, then it exists on your piece of paper, or in my case, on my computer. And you now have something that is there that you can work with and mold and change and make better. And each pass you do, um, you are now in a position where you can find more of what you're after. And I would liken this to what I've heard about um, the process of climbing a high mountain like Mount Everest, which is they don't start from the bottom and just go straight to the top. There are, I forget what they're called. I want to call them staging areas, but that's not what they're called. Yes. But they're areas that they get to and they can kind of stop their camps and they can, you know, resupply and do whatever. Yeah. And I think that in the process of writing, um, if you allow yourself to tolerate the bad, and um, I, I have told friends of mine who are trying to write, um, I told them, allow it to be bad now because i still go through this and recently i mean recently like yesterday and the day before i uh, am working on something and really the word was not bad the word was ugly i needed to allow it to be ugly to really be like something that i know is repulsive um, because when i say okay to that and 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 put that down and allow myself to keep going. Now I have, now it exists on, on camp level one and I can know, I can now visit yeah. that camp and, and make it better. So to get to another part of your question, which I think is very, very related to this is, um, and I'm gonna read it here. How do you distinguish between a failed script and one which has potential? And that's such a, a key thing as well. Um, because I've written stuff on my own that I needed to let go. Um, and I guess I would say that no matter what you write, you know, you, you, you invest your heart and your blood and your time into something. Okay. Not your blood. That's being dramatic. Um, luckily yeah. for writers, we don't have to bleed generally. Um, but you've, you've really like put your heart and soul into something and you recognize that it's not good enough. It's not getting you a job. It's not getting you recognition. What do you do? Sometimes the thing you do that's not good 
is as valuable as what's good because it gets you stronger. It, it's like just like um, a gymnast strengthens their muscles and their and their coordination when they rehearse. Writing the bad whatever screenplay novel um, strengthens your writing muscles. It strengthens your craft. Yeah. It makes you more able to write the next thing. And so I guess it's really up to each of us to do some soul searching. Maybe, you know, we all need to show our work to others because we don't really have perspective. You know, we're in the forest and we don't necessarily see the forest. We're around trees. Writing always improves by rewriting. Even if it's a screenplay that will ultimately not, or screenplay or not, you know, something other than a screenplay that will ultimately not serve us. Um, it always improves through rewriting or, 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 or can, not always. And you may find that you reach a wall where it doesn't improve enough and it's no longer worth your time. Plus, you may reach a point where you kind of come to this, where your time might be better spent on the next project. You can always come back to this project. It, it always exists. Yeah. And when you go to the next project, you will be a better writer if you do decide to come back to this project. Not all ideas are great ideas. And, and by the way, that's, that is a, an, an interesting dilemma in our field. Sometimes you see a great movie, but the sequel to it kind of sucks. Or sometimes yeah. a great writer or director um, creates a really great movie but the next one is, is really not great. And no matter how much craft and skill we have, um, a lot of what makes something good is the template of the idea. You know, a lot of it is craft and skill and teamwork. Yes. Um, but sometimes an idea itself has kind of like a glass ceiling, so to speak, and will only get you so high. Yeah. Yeah, so no, that my... actually is, yeah. yeah uh, like I wanted to ask is, um, okay, the perspective that people have for sequels, uh, because of you have mentioned is that, uh, that original screenplay comes when uh, with the first movie, but with this uh, second one, it is, uh, is it mainly just because the studio has decided on making another one and the writers have a template which worked? So do they just, carry on and like how does the mindset of a writer while he's writing a sequel how does that go i don't think that there's one way to explain that that describes all cases because i just don't think it's true and some sequels are um just as good or even better than the first movie um and i, I two two movies come to mind one is godfather 2 and the other is the second robocop mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And there's other other cases where the, the sequel is, is staggering, like the sequel to uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was like fantastic. Yeah. And some original, let's we're talking about movies. Some original movies um, support a good sequel, um, and some don't necessarily. And I think that's part of it. And Hollywood now is very sequel driven. And there's a financial reason for that. Um, people like existing stories, you know, they, they like coming back to characters that they know. And uh, because of that, um, sequels have a, a much better chance of, of making their money back. And then some, they could actually become a real financial score for studios. Yeah. And they need that, you know, that's the, that's the model now in Hollywood. You know, you have to make kill, a killing, big, big money in order to survive. Yeah. yeah. So like I have, uh, I'm part of the VIT Film Society. So I have many friends and I know many people who uh, do write scripts and like especially one of my closest friends is currently writing a script from the last two months and he has decided like dedicated two more months for uh, writing and nurturing his own script so 
for people like that uh, who are currently working on scripts or who are writers so what are the top 3 points that you would like to tell them for either improving their craft or going ahead with their craft or just starting out what will be the top 3 points that you will give them hmm well i'm just i would have to give you suppositions since um i'm i'm not at that age anymore and um but i'll tell you what i think would be valuable um for me to have had yes. back then um i would think it's good to have a network of friends who you can exchange your scripts with um and you'll find and this is always true um there are some people who um will give you feedback about this and some people give you feedback about that um and not every most people really will give you their opinion it doesn't necessarily mean it's the opinion but it's still good to hear another person's opinion and when you hear the same opinion more than once um that can be valuable usually that means that there's something going on and um uh, we all need outside help and uh i'm going to just go back to my crossword puzzle um yeah. metaphor uh in the app that i have um it gives me the ability to see what answers are not working i i try to hold off yeah. on that as long as possible because it feels like cheating but at a certain point yeah. when i'm stumped i'll i'll hit that thing on the app and it'll kind of like erase the answers that i put in that are not working and that is so valuable for a writer to learn what's not working sometimes that's more valuable than hearing an opinion about what would work in fact for me in my process it is more valuable because it gives me as a writer the space to hear what doesn't work so that i can now begin to discover what can work so one of the most valuable things a writer has can have and and i think needs is feedback and because you're young you're more social you're just around more people do that create that network it's it's really really good to have so you said three things three things for a writer to to have to um to get started or improve their craft well the i would say be willing to recognize what's not working one of the most important things you'll you'll have as a writer is flexibility um writers tend to fall in love with their own stuff and there's um there's use for that it gets you from fade in to the end it it it's you're writing it and you like god i did not expect that that just surprised me and yeah. god i really am good at this and um, <laughs> yeah. they're going to love this now i'm not saying this is true for everybody but sometimes for me um the more attached i get to something uh the more likely that it'll be the first thing that somebody will read and not like yeah. um, you need to you need to love what you're doing and you kind of need to love yourself for doing it um but then there's going to come a time where you're going to need to be more flexible than you want to be you're going to need to sit and swallow that anger when somebody says it's no good and you're going to need to kind of like open up or be willing to open up and say to yourself what if there's something here to what they're saying and there's something that's not really working there is always another way to skin the cat that's a, another expression that you might be familiar with there's always yes. another way to tell this part of the story when you when you work for others that's what happens all the time somebody says well we can't have this because it's in another project that we've done or i just don't like it or you know it's against the rules for us to say that um whatever 
there's always another way to approach it. And so the second point I guess I would offer would have to do with flexibility, to be willing to let go and ask ourselves, is there another way? That, yes. if you can grow that, will, will, will be useful throughout your, your whole life. And by the way, that's not just a writing thing. In relationship, we, we, we come to blows because it's like, no, it's my way. No, you're wrong. And the truth is, we're human. We're all fallible. We, we always get things right and we always get them wrong. And sometimes it comes out in the same sentence. And so that willingness to kind of step away from our hard position from this and say, what if, maybe, maybe there's another way that I think will serve us throughout our lives. I just want to say that it's important to grow some compassion because we need room to get things wrong in the same way that a child needs room to fall off the bike. We all need room to get stuff wrong. It's, it's part of the human process and grow some acceptance to that because, because boy, we will get stuff wrong. We need to, you can't help it, you know? And, and so I think it's part of, it comes with the game. What you said really applies because like even I'm a huge fan of Tarantino. So for me, even like uh, me and my friends were just joking, I guess, the other day that if we ever make the movie, we will have the smash cut zoom in our movie if we ever make one where sure. the Tarantino style or something like that. And I, I guess that is how it happens. You, the people that inspire you, your work has an element of their work or what inspired you. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to tell you that I think I have an idea for how to address that really big dilemma that was brought up. It just occurred to me uh, when you when you work in uh, in in the business out here and you're a writer for hire, you'll submit what you write and you'll hear some one of the more annoying comments from the people who you work for. And it'll be something like. It just needs to be funnier or you need to plus it or go have fun with it. Um, it needs to, I don't know what, it's actually kind of not a illegitimate comment. It's a very legit comment. I don't know what, but it just needs to be better. Or on this one particular point, can you just come up with something better? And it's annoying because you have to go back to the drawing board and you're not really sure how. Now, when you read through your own work, it's good to kind of do that same thing because even though we're delusional, I mentioned at the very beginning, you know, writers are some of the most delusional people out there. We have to be for a certain part of the process. You, you, can't, you can't do this without a certain good, healthy amount of delusion. <laughs> um, you also need to have a, a really grow a good skeptical eye. And that only happens over time where you're willing to kind of entertain uh, the big question, does this really suck? Is it really derivative? Is it, is it too much of that? I don't want to see it. And so I'm going to use my delusion to fool myself into not seeing what's there. Well, having people in, in your team, as I mentioned earlier, in your group, um, who aren't as committed to the delusion as you are, it's very valuable to begin to hear what's outside the bubble, our self-made bubble, being willing to actually ask the hard questions. And that's a, that's a real skill that grows over time is also valuable. So you can say to yourself, okay, what if this is like Tarantino? What if this is like this thing? What if I'm just willing to entertain that? Um, not jump to I suck because that's not helpful. That is actually counterproductive. What if I go to a different place? And the place is, and I'm going to kind of, I'm making this up as I go. What if I'm willing to be my own um, inner executive? We call them executives. Yeah. They are called executives in my business. The executive is a person who reads your work and comes back and gives you feedback. Yeah. Can I become my own executive, inner executive, and just ask myself the question? I don't, I know I don't want the answer to be yes, but just what if this is too 
close to this x whatever it is can i make it different and then go with that what are 10 things i can do to make it different and that might help get us all um for me get me out of that trap yeah so the next question is by aryan and he has asked how different is writing uh, an animated character and or a real life character Hmm. Uh, sometimes it's the exact same, um, and sometimes it's kind of different, and it depends. Um, animation is not homogenous, as, as you might imagine. Um, there's animated TV, there's animated feature, and um, there's new, there's obviously other animated forms. And within each form, there's different um, styles of animation, and there's different ways that animation is written. And so I would say it depends. Um, and an animation that appeals to, say, both, like we call it family, which is to say adults and, and kids, um, that can very often have characters that are, are more like natural, you know, characters you might find in live action. Whereas, let's say, in a Nickelodeon show, I don't know if you get Nickelodeon out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, there's a, a certain kind of um, tone, energy, appeal, style that um, could, could be very, very different than, let's say, DreamWorks feature animation. Yeah. Um, and then you would write very, very differently for those characters. So it really depends on, on where you're working in animation. Um, yeah. So the next question is by Sarthak, and he has asked, apart from reading, what are some ways that a writer can improve his craft? Writing is actually even more important than reading, but reading is really valuable and important. I would suggest um, in reading, um, read screenplays as well as um, novels or, or other forms. When you, when you watch a movie, um, we tend to be spectators, and that's because movies go by so quickly. And um, especially the first time you watch a movie, um, there's almost no chance to really apply craft. You know, we're, we're just, we're the audience, and we're not writers, per se. When you rewatch a movie, you have more of an ability to uh, see, you know, the craft that went into making it. When you actually read the screenplay, and a lot of movies can be found online, as, as I'm sure you know, uh, through Googling them, a lot of screenplays. When you read the screenplay, you're going at your own speed and you're less distracted by um, the very, very powerful visual production of the screenplay. And that gives you the opportunity um, to see it. And when you read a screenplay repeatedly, um, you're even less um, subject to the, um, the movement of the craft of it. Because even when you read a screenplay, the craft gets you sucked in and you're, you're involved with the characters. And so I would suggest doing that with, um, in many, many different screenplays, screenplays of movies you love, screenplays with movies you love less. Every time you do that, and I did that recently with um, a Hitchcock movie called um, Lifeboat, Every time you do that, you learn something, and that is really valuable. Yes, absolutely. So the next question is by Jhansi, and uh, she has asked, what's the key focus on creating the drama or the character or anyone when writing a script? When you get an idea, if it's a good idea, the idea will feed you and will actually instruct you. And, and I see you nodding because I, I'm sure that you found this when, when you were. Yes. The idea will start to kind of point to types of scenes that will happen. I'm, I'm saying scenes. You can say that for novel as well as screenplay. Um, it will point you to, you know, just new ideas that could be, become part of it. Likewise, characters will start to come up in situations. And you'll start to get a sense of, of what you're going to feel. Um, as your, you know, uh, potentially what, what emotions will start to come around. All that is really, really valuable. But sometimes you start to think about the goal, which is if I get through this, 
an X amount of time, then I can go on to the next one. Or yes. won't they love me if I, if I show them this? Or, you know, I'm kind of pissed because it's paying me less than I'd like, and I'd like to kind of get through this fast. Or, yeah. And all that is kind of like outside the story. And really the thing you want to do is be inside the story as long as possible. And hear what potential, what the story has to teach you about potential scenes and potential characters and, and, and what, what could happen. You know, it's like you're fishing and you, you kind of want to keep that rather than keep doing that rather than prepare the meal. Um, and then at a certain point, you know, you kind of want to start to think of like, how is this all going to come together? And one of the things that is really common out here, and I think that's really valuable for all storytelling, is to begin to think of a three-act structure. Um, how are you setting things up? How are you establishing? And um, what is the groundwork? And then what is going to be the act two? And that's a whole you know, separate conversation. And, and obviously, you know, what's going to be, you know, how are things going to fall apart? What's going to be, you know, the act three. And as you begin to think that way, you begin to see how all this, I'm going to kind of go with this really crappy metaphor, all this fish that you've pulled out of the lake, yes, how yes. it's all kind of, you know, kind of fit together within that structure. Yeah. So Harshal has asked the last question, which is how much of script writing is training based and how much is inspired by someone's personal life or others, other people's lives? Wow. Good deep questions coming out there today. How much script writing is training based and how much is inspired by personal life um, or other people's lives? Um, I'm going to kind of break that up into two parts because the first part is easier to answer. Um, everything is training based in that craft is always going to be required. Um, a gymnast will always need to have the physical ability in order to run through the routine. Um, and that is just something that's always going to require growing your craft. And when you grow your craft, the more you do it, the more available you are, the more tools you have at your disposal uh, to put into uh, whatever it is that inspires you. What inspires you, I, um, I can't speak to this without being a little bit honest here. Um, about something that I, um, about myself, which is I worked for years um, growing my, my craft. I, I didn't know that I was growing my craft. I thought I was writing screenplays that would get, get me um, noticed by Steven Spielberg and, and, and cause me to make enough money to move out of my tiny New York apartment. But I was working on craft and it was a long time. And um, I, I think I took longer than most um, and I say this to be, as a word of encouragement to everybody there, it was about 12 years. Uh, and when I finally started making um, money for a living as a writer, when I finally got work, um, I was more interested in work for hire than writing my own stuff. And I did work for hire for a long time. And there's a lot of joy to be found in that. And, and you know, sometimes it's a pain. Um, but I spent a lot of time not accessing my inspiration for my, my stuff and my heart, except for this one project that I was working on, the one I mentioned for, you know, the 25 year screenplay, um, which is the novel that I will later plug, possibly. Um, what you're talking about in this question, I think is a great, great, great point, which is, if I may, Kind of translate it for me, which is what inspires me. What do I want to? What do I want to write about? Do I do I dig into my life? Do I dig into, you know, the Tarantino movie and write my own version of it? You know, 
Um, is it my, my relative over there who's fighting cancer? It's a beautiful question and I'm not gonna answer it because I think it's a question that goes deeper than anything that I can say. And, and it goes to what really moves you in your life. And I think it's something you have to wrestle with yourself, you know, and play with, you know, what, what, what moves me, but also what leads to something. Um, keep it as a question and, and just kind of pursue it. Yeah, no, that, that's a beautiful way to look at it. So coming to the last segment of our episode, which is basically consists of two questions, which we ask all our guests. So the first question is, what is the best mistake that you have ever made? Ooh. Sometimes, sometimes a screenplay that I set out to write is a mistake um, because it's not going to get me where I want to go, but it is going to teach me about writing. Yes. And it kind of makes me sad to think about the number of screenplays that I wrote that were mistakes. Um, because it's hard. It's hard to do that. And I was, I think I'm, I, I was starting from a point, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this to be a caretaker, I realize this is a little bit codependent of me, but I'm kind of taking care of you a little bit because when I started out, there was so much less information about writing and there's yes. so much more now. And I think you are all starting from a much higher place than I started yeah. from. And I, I expect that none of you are going to take the amount of time that I took um, to do this. But there's so much value in um, setting out to do something that's not going to succeed because it, it, it really helps you grow muscle, uh, the muscle of your craft. That, that absolutely makes sense because that failure teaches you much more than success will. So it, it, it sort of does. Success is nice too when you can do yeah. it. But failure is um, it's inevitable and, and important. Yep. Yes. So the second question to the segment uh, is that what are some books or movies that positively impacted your life and changed your life boy i i wish i wish you would ask me that before because i would have loved to have really known the answer because the books and movies that do impact your life you know they really 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 matter the big lebowski pulp fiction yeah um there was a point um, when I was living in New York City in, when was this? I guess the 80s, mid to late 80s, when one movie a year would come out that would just make life better for us. We would, it would come out around Oscar time or, or the end of the year, in other words, so it would qualify for Oscar time. Yes. And, uh, you know, what was it? It was um, Shakespeare in Love. It was Goodwill Hunting. There seemed to be like that one movie that would come around and would just like make your life better when you watched it. Yes. For books, um, Journey to the East. I read that when I was a senior and just when I graduated high uh, college. And yeah. um, um, there's so many. So I, I'm afraid yeah, yeah. I, I don't yeah. really have the, the, the best one. Yeah, no, no, no. Like even the movies and the book that you mentioned, all of them are so great and inspiring for a screenplay writer, an aspiring writer. That like Goodwill Hunting and Pulp Fiction. Oh my gosh, they're really great movies. And even Shakespeare in Love. I guess it won the Oscar for original screenplay too. So, and they're just amazing movies. So. Thank sure. you. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. This has been a great episode. So before we end the episode, can you talk about your upcoming book, which uh, uh, yeah. now I'm going to do the plug thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll just say this. It's, it's, uh, it's called uh, The Man Who Came and Went. It's a novel. Um, it's um, going to come out in March. And um, I have a, a website, which literally I'm new, I'm new to all this stuff. It literally just went live and you can kind of uh, check it out if you want to. Uh, the website is uh, um, not very creative. It's joestillman.com. It's my name. Okay. And um, I'll just say, I, you know, if you want to sign up there, I, you know, again, this like went live like two days ago. I'm new to this, but I, I might like, I don't know, one day do a newsletter. So sign up and, you know, uh, if you feel like yeah. it 
Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So that's my uh, shameless obvious... plug for the day. Oh no, please, please, we want you to. <laughs> so we'll add all the links to, to the description oh, cool, of the episode, cool. okay. so mm-hmm. all the listeners can check it out, and you can go to www.josephman.com, and even uh, his all the other links we'll add to the description. So thank you, Joe. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. This has been amazing. And it's it's been very helpful for the writers who are oh, good. upcoming, who's getting into the scene and want yeah. to become writers for everyone. So thank you. Thank you so much. And Absolutely. For... Thank you. Thanks for thanks to your writers that kind of tuned in and, yeah. and much appreciate it. This was fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much.